First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, to episode 628 of First Class Fatherhood, a family-made media podcast. The NASCAR racing season is heating up as the playoffs are just about to get underway. And today's guest on the podcast is a legendary NASCAR driver. Kyle Petty joins me today on First Class Fatherhood. Kyle Petty comes from the most legendary NASCAR family. He's got a brand new book out right now that talks about all of it, titled Swerve or Die, Life at My Speed in the First Family of NASCAR Racing. Kyle's grandfather, Lee, was a pioneer of NASCAR racing, and his father, Richard Petty, is the greatest NASCAR driver of all time. But what is it like to grow up in the shadow of Lee and Richard Petty? And what is it like to lose a son to the sport you love so much? That is the tragedy that hit Kyle Petty when he lost his son, Adam Petty, on the racetrack. We are going to take a deep dive into all of that. How do you rebound? How do you move on? Kyle opens up about all of this in the book and in this interview. I highly recommend the book, Swerve or Die by Kyle Petty. Even if you are not a NASCAR fan, it is a true American story about trials and tribulations and ultimately a fatherhood journey that is continuing to be written. I'm absolutely honored to have him on the podcast today. Kyle Petty will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Kyle Petty was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch today's conversation between the racing legend and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and if you are a fan of NASCAR racing, boy, do I have an awesome guest announcement for you guys. One of the best in the business right now, Joey Logano, will be joining me right here on First Class Fatherhood. So make sure you lock it in uh, for that one to come. And follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the other upcoming guest announcements. Next week, though, we are going to be getting ready for the NFL season, and I have got two NFL Hall of Famers joining me here on the podcast next week. So as I said, follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for the upcoming guest announcements. If you get a chance, I would really appreciate it if you could help me spread the word about the podcast to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. So let's go. Start your engines. Kyle Petty joins me right now on First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Kyle Petty. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. All right, well, let's start like this. How many kids do you have? How old are they? Okay, so I was married once before, uh, and I had my oldest son, Adam, was killed in a racing accident. He would have been 42. Um, Austin is 40. Uh, and then I have a daughter that's 36 from that marriage. And Morgan and I have been married for a wonderful six years, and we have a four-year-old, Overton, a two-year-old uh, named Cotton, and a two-month-old named Avant. So, uh I'm I'm both ends of the spectrum right here. You're talking to a father with both ends of the spectrum. Wow. Incredible stuff, man. What, what, so take me back to the beginning of your fatherhood journey then, Kyle. About how old were you when you first became a dad and how did that experience change your perspective on life? So here's the thing. I, honestly, when I when I first became a father, I was 20 years old. I was a kid. Um, and, and, you know, and, and obviously Austin came at 22. Montgomery Lee came at 25. Um, so you're young, man, you're, you're just young and, and it changes your world, change your world. Um, you know, it, it's that, 
that there's there's a comedian and he says, have you made a have, have you made a human? Have you ever made a human? And you're the leader of that human, you know, that kind of thing. And it just hits you, man. And you realize uh, that that's that's such a big thing. Um, and, and I was very blessed. We grew up in rural North Carolina. So uh, when a child comes into to this world, they come into a family. They come into a, a, a web of people, right, wrong, or indifferent, that will guide them and lead them and be a part of their lives forever. You're the most important, the parents, the mom and dad. Uh, but in the end, you know, the, the way it kind of works is uh, everybody. So uh, I will say that Adam, the, my first child, was born into a strange family where uh, everybody just rode around in circles for a living. And I'm not sure he ever understood that forever. Yeah. Wow. Very well said. And yeah, no, I have the copy of your book here. Uh, Swerve or die life at my speed in the first family of NASCAR racing. Obviously your family is legendary in the world of NASCAR. And so obviously writing the book, going through this kind of stuff, what was it like for you to kind of have to relive so much of your life and getting this actually down on the paper into the book? Uh, was it, was it difficult at times? Was it joyous at times? What was the experience like for you writing the book going down memory lane? So when I started, um, you know, I was just going to write a bunch of, of funny stories uh, about my life growing up and, and doing things with my dad and doing things with my granddad and uh, things that happened to me at the racetrack. Uh, but when I got up with Ellis, Ellis Hennigan, uh, and, and we started really focusing on it and he, you know, he, he made me and, and showed me that there's a different direction. This, this book could mean something it, and more than just a collection of, of what I thought was funny stories, um, that it could mean something. So, uh, there were parts of it that were just a breeze to go through. There, there were parts of it that were just a breeze. And then there were other parts that were incredibly difficult, uh, that I would just have to lay lay the book down, lay the paper down, lay the pen down, lay the computer down and walk away for days at a time. Um, my uncle Randy was killed in a racing accident when I was, or, or uh, an accident on pit road. Uh, when I was 14, uh, Adam was killed, um, when he was 19 years old, uh, and I was 40 years old and it, it just, it, I had never dealt with it. I, I thought I had, you know, after all these years, 20 some years for, for Adam, I thought I had dealt with it. Uh, but I had never dealt with it. And to go and walk back down that hallway in your soul uh, and open that door and pull that box of memories out was incredibly, incredibly difficult. Um, and there were other moments in the book. You know, we, we're talking about fatherhood here. There, there were moments in the book that I realized that, that, as I said before, Adam came along when I was 20. Austin and Montgomery Lee came along shortly thereafter. When you're 20 years old, um, it's, it's all about you. You're, and you're trying to make a living, dude. You're, you're out there busting your rear end every day, busting your hump, just trying to bring a buck in, trying to make life for your family, trying to make life better for them. Um, and you realize that, that as you look back, uh, in a book like this, that the money and, and getting ahead is not the most important thing. The time is the most important thing. And, and I began to feel guilty as I wrote this book, that time I didn't, I wasn't able to give my, my kids enough time. I wasn't able to give my family enough time uh, at that stage. I'm in a different place now uh, with, with, with Morgan and with these, with, with Overton and Cotton and, and Devant, and I give them all the time in the world. And it just, it's so fulfilling. But I think those are, are little things as I wrote the book that I didn't think I was going to have to confront that made me confront who Kyle Petty was, what Kyle Petty was as a father, what Kyle Petty was as a person, what Kyle Petty uh, what, what your life had been like. So uh, there were parts, like I said, from, from Adam 
uh, incredibly difficult and, and harder to read. You, you do this podcast. You know what it's like. Once you say something, it's out in the universe. You know, to write it in a book, man, you can close that book and it's not going to escape if nobody reads it. But uh, to say it uh, and to stand in a booth and read it, that, that was tough to talk about his death in that time. Uh, and it was tough to realize some of the things that, that came to me as we read it. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I received the book a few days ago. I went right to your section there on fatherhood where, where you talk about being a dad. And yeah, you know, unfortunately, I've interviewed too many dads that have had to bury one of their children. And I think just sharing those stories of how you've gone through the process is helpful and beneficial to so many other parents or anybody who's really yeah. grieving a loss uh, in their family. So I, I think it was a beautifully uh, well-written piece that you did in a tribute to your son. And I, I was wondering if you could tell the story because I thought it was fantastic. I know I don't want to give too much away in the book here, but when you talked about Adam, when he had the choice between the $15 and the trophy, I thought there was such a great uh, valuable lesson in that. I was wondering if you could just hit the listeners with that story real quick. Yeah. You know, Adam raced go-karts um, and, and not a lot, not a lot because we weren't going to stay in go-karts for the rest of his life. So we didn't want to spend a ton of money on them, but go-karts can be expensive for, for all the parents out there who, who have a child that wants to ride. Listen, the only thing that's more, more expensive for a father than go-karts um, are horses. If you've got daughters and they've got horses, that's incredibly expensive. And, and every father knows that, but um, he raced go-karts and, and he won. He finally won a race. He kept telling me that, man, I need a better motor. I need this. I need that. And I'm like, learn to drive, learn to drive. And I'll, I'll get you all that stuff. Uh, so he finally won a race and, and he called me and he was so excited that he had won a race, man. He was eight years old, nine years old, so excited. And he told me, he said, man, I got $15, $15 for winning the race. And he was telling me all this stuff and I'm going to help pay for tires. I'm going to help pay for the engines. You know, we're going to get better. And, and I said, well, what about the trophy? What's the trophy look like? And he said, well, I, I didn't get the trophy. I, I took the $15. You can take the trophy or you get the $15. That's what they do at this little go-kart track that he raced at. So I said, well, when I, when I get home, we'll talk about it. So we sat down and we went on, took a piece of paper and I, I, I wrote out, you know, how much tires cost, how much a go-kart cost, how much an engine cost, how much fuel cost to get to the go-kart track and back, how much food costs because you eat a lot. So how much all that stuff cost and that, you know, it was really, really nice to think that that $15 would help. And it does help. It does help. Uh, but you're going to have to win about 2000 races at $15 a clip to pay for everything that we do. And the trophy will mean so much more uh, to us someday that this was your first win in a go-kart. So take that $15 back and get that trophy because that trophy will will mean everything at some point in time. Uh, little did I know how prophetic that was, uh, because that trophy is is one of the most cherished pieces that we have, that I have, uh, is that trophy. And he took it back, and, and the guy said, yeah, I'll give you a trophy. Guy, listen, the guy made money. The guy probably had $7 in the trophy and had to pay $15 if he won. So that was that was a little bit different. Um, but it was it, it was it showed a lot about him. He wanted to help. He wanted to be a part of it. Uh, but at the same time, man, he was just a kid and just... Uh, you should ex experience that and enjoy those moments when, when you're able to do stuff like that. Yeah. Well, so one of one of many stories just well-written in this book here that I really thought it was a lot of value. What would you, what would you say then Kyle with some of the other, what would you say are the top values that you hope to instill in all your kids as they grow up? Yeah. Listen, my grandmother had one saying, and, and I will say this to, to you. Um, and, and I think this is, it's funny. My grandmother Owens, my mother's mother, and this is the way my mother raised us. Uh, and it's funny, be kind, 
be kind. Kind encompasses everything. Kind encompasses integrity. It encompasses honesty and it encompasses everything that you want in a child. If you have a child with a kind heart, a kind a child that has empathy, that's willing to give back, that's willing to care about other people. Um, and, and, you know, that, that, that was us. We were very, very blessed. We, my sisters and I were very blessed growing up. Um, we were able to go. We were able to travel. We were able to do things that other kids didn't. Um, and my mother would always tell us, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it because other kids don't have that opportunity. That's, that's you. That's what your family is able to do. And, and we raised, Morgan and I raised our kids that same way. We go and do things, but it, it, they're not to be bragged about. They're not to be talked about. This is, these are things that we do. And be kind to everyone. You don't know what kind of day they've had. You don't know what kind of life they've lived. You don't know where they're going through or what they're passing to. Uh, so just show someone kindness. And I, I think for me, that's been the way I've tried to, to live my whole life. And that's the one value for me that I've always tried to instill, share, it encompasses everything, you know, and my grandmother was right. It's that umbrella word uh, that, that really you can connect everything back to kindness. And, um, you know, I'm very, very blessed. Overton uh, is, is started school and, and the teacher, one of the first things the teacher said was, he's the sweetest, kindest little boy. And I'm like, man, that just makes your heart just swell. And, and Austin and Montgomery Lee have, have grown up and uh, I have grandkids and they're the same way. And I think that comes honestly from my grandmother to my mother. And hopefully we will pass it on to another generation. Yeah, really great stuff, Kyle. I know just for myself, there's nothing better than getting that compliment from somebody uh, who's been with your children and then talks to you at the end. The last thing you want to hear is that they misbehaved or they disrespected in some way. But when you get those positive feedback, it does so much for your ego or your confidence as a as a parent. Uh, so it's so important. And one thing I, I bring out a lot of a lot of obviously successful people on the podcast here, like yourself. And one of those things, like I, I recall, like too, some of the racing guys like Mario Andretti came on here. I know he has kids that followed into the racing world as well. And it's so many of the dads that I've had on have just crushed it in their particular sport or, or, or whatever it is that they're doing. And then to have children to kind of have to come up. We, I know as sons, we always want to impress our dads. We want to do what they're doing. You grew up with a father that was already, you know, he made a name for himself, was a legend in the sport. Talk to me just for a second about that. How did you kind of like make sure that your kids didn't feel that pressure that they had to follow in your footsteps, live up to your uh, kind of expectations or something like that? And how did you kind of balance that relationship? So it was really easy. And I hope they've listened. I do. You pray they listen. I think my other kids did. I hope that Overton and Cotton and 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 Devant listened. Uh, we were very, again, very, very blessed uh, to have the, my mom and dad and, the, and to have the grandparents I had. We, and they told us early on, early, early on, um, when we were growing up, and especially as I started to race, you are Kyle Petty. You are not Richard Petty, and you are not Lee Petty. There's, God does not create clones. God creates people. He creates individuals. You're going to be different. No matter how much you try to be the same, you're going to be different. So don't try to be the same. Just be who you are. Um, and, and that was the freedom that we had growing up. That was the freedom that we had to be guitar players, uh, to be farmers, to be teachers. I have my sister's a teacher. She taught for 32 years to do whatever we wanted to do and that they would help us in any way they could. Um, and so I never tried to be Richard Petty. I, I tell people and I will tell you, 
if you could have my granddad sit down in the seat and you ask him five questions and then have my dad sit down and you ask him five and then you have me come along and you ask me the same five and then you ask Adam the same five after me, you would end this conversation, you would end this interview and say, well, we just had four guys that don't even know each other on as guests and they ask all the answered all these questions and that's, to me, that's a compliment. That is a compliment because that shows that we were able to think different, to be different. Uh, and, and I tell people in a, in a funny way, but in a dead serious, true way, um, I grew up in the shadow uh, of Richard Petty, the greatest race car driver, as far as I'm concerned, NASCAR driver that ever lived. Um, and, and people want you to be Richard Petty. They want to project their hopes and dreams and aspirations. I'm not a projection screen. I'm Kyle. You, you can project all you want to, but I'm going to be who I, who I am. That's, that's just all I can be. Um, but at the same time, when, when I got out there on the racetrack and was competing with my dad, um, there were 40 other guys who weren't Richard Petty either. There was only one Richard Petty. You talked about Mario Andretti. There was only one Mario Andretti. There's a, that's a level of greatness that few achieve, uh, that few achieve. And you've got to understand that that's a rare thing that comes along every now and then. And you're, that may not be you. You can strive for it. That's what it's there for, to give you something to, to a goal, to give you something to try to reach. Um, but, you know, I wasn't the only one as I'd look around the garage area when the race was over with and we were all standing somewhere different. Uh, and he was hoisting a trophy and celebrating. You know, it, it was one of those things. I wasn't the only one over there. You know, I was I was in the majority, not in the minority. So it wasn't wasn't as hard um, as it could have been. If I had tried to be him, uh, I don't know where I would be uh, if I didn't have the parents and have my mom and dad and have my grandparents to, to instill that, those goals in us and those are those values in us to not to try to be a clone, just be yourself. Yes. Yeah, so, so important, too. And I think just as like the, the general public here, or we, we kind of get the sense if we see somebody whose kid, oh, well, that makes sense because their dad did it. Like I've had a lot of Navy SEALs on here. Uh, and I would imagine like if your dad was a Navy SEAL and you're going through, it would probably make it that much more harder yeah. for you because everyone expects you to already make it. So it's like the bar is already set there and all you can do is disappoint or let down at that point. So I think there's pressures that we don't see from the outside looking in that are are more challenging, I would imagine, uh, than we think. Yeah. You know, I think, but I, I think it, it's, it's that same old thing. Um, and, and I will say this again, that they are, they're, they're just inherited. You, you know, you're, you're laying in the crib at six months old and somebody's already talking about you being a race car driver. You're laying in a crib at six months old and somebody's already talking about you being a Navy SEAL as you bring up and are emulating or taking on the family business or man, wonder what the business is going to be like when he comes along, you know, that kind of, and, and that is, such unrealistic expectations to project on a child uh, of any age, of any age. Um, and, and you have to wait until that child develops and understand where that child's at and then try to give that child the most tools that you can give him and the best tools that you can give him to succeed in whatever that child chooses. And my dad gave me that. Uh, I chose to follow in his footsteps and they gave me the best stuff they could give me. Um, I want a few races. Uh, not as many as him, but nobody wants as many as him. Uh, and I was successful in my own way. Uh, and, and I did other things too, because that's just that much of my mom in me, you know, that, that's the way it works. You know, um, there's a dad and a mom that make a child. It's not just all about the dad or all about the mom, uh, though fans sometimes would like to think 
that's the way it is that the father just spits out the child and he's going to be the clone. But, um, you know, I, I think you, you just, you allow your child, uh, and we've, uh, I've allowed my, have allowed my children to just be the best person they can be. And when it's all said and done, that's what it's all about. You know, that's, that's not, you don't take your bank bank account to the grave with you. You don't take, uh, you know, all your worldly goods to the grave with you. You take your soul to the grave with you. Uh, and that that's a different judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Right on with that, Kyle. And t- talk to me then about your, uh, your discipline style as a father. Is it, di- what type of disciplinarian are you as a dad? And is it different than the discipline style that you grew up with? You know what? It's kind of the same, uh, right now, you know, right now with, with little kids. Um, and, and, and it's fascinating. Okay. Because my mom, I'll, I'll go back to my mom on, on this. All right. Is that when you're a child, there's a reason they call you a child. Okay. Because you're not developed. You're not an adult. And, and I, I'll never forget going, going to school. And I could not grasp this because my mom had always kind of let us be who we were. Um, you're in the third grade. And, and the teacher would say, you're in the third grade. Now you need to act older. I'm in the third grade. I'm in the third grade. You know what I mean? I'm still, recess is still my favorite subject. You know what I mean? That's the way it is when you're in the third grade. I'm a kid. And, and I think that's for us, it's, it, and Morgan and I, especially with, with, with our children now, it's let them be kids. He's a four-year-old. Don't lose sight that he's a four-year-old. He's not, he can't reason. He can't think. So you need to sit down, talk to him, explain things. We do a lot of explaining. Um, and, and that, that's the way my discipline has always been uh, with my other children. Explain why this is wrong. Explain why this is, is out of bounds. Explain it. You hope that a lot of this was explained before they went out of bounds so that they know there's that guilt. There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse. My grandmother did this to me one time. Worst thing that ever happened. I was spending the night with my grandmother Owens uh, and I snuck out of the house. Uh, and it was like 930 and I just went down the street to play around the basketball. It wasn't like I did anything, but I snuck back in. It was about 1115. And she was sitting in a chair when I walked through the door. Um, and she was like, your mother leaves me, leaves you here for me to look after. It's my responsibility to make sure you're safe. Um, and what you did broke a trust and what you did could have been really bad. And I'm not going to do anything. I just want you to think about that. I was crushed, crushed. You know what I mean? I was, I had hurt my grandmother and I was crushed in that moment. She could have physically disciplined me. She could have grounded me for the rest of my life as long as I stayed with her, but that's not, she just threw a couple of words out there in that nice, quiet little voice she had. Uh, she stood four foot, 11 inches tall. That's, that's, so she was a little woman. She just threw it out there and that was it. The hardest discipline I've ever had are moments like that. And that's kind of the way that my mom was. And that's the way I took, take it and have taken the approach with, with my kids is there are moments, there are moments when you have to be incredibly stern and it hurts your heart a lot more than it hurts theirs. Um, and they don't see what the consequences could have been, what could have happened, what might've happened. Praise that it didn't happen, but what could have happened. And, but you have to use that as a learning experience so they can see that. So I think our discipline, our discipline style right now is we're, we're in that timeout mode. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, I want you to go to your room. And when you think you can come out 
and not hit your brother or not throw your toys across the room or do what we're asking you to do, then you can come out of the room. And you don't, he, Overton is hilarious. He'll go in there and sometimes he'll stay for 30 minutes with the lights off all by himself. And then he'll say, okay, I can come out. And sometimes he'll go in there for two seconds and it's like, I'm good. I can come out now. But at least you're starting that process of getting that in his head that going to your room is a disciplinary action. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really well said, Kyle. And, and you know, it's funny because my, my father had me when he was 50 years old. He had me later in life. So I had brothers that were in their 20s. I have a nephew older than me. Uh, so uh, I and, and they always kind of rib me like, oh, you're getting the better because uh, dad's older now. You, you have it easier than we had it, that type of deal. So what, what would you say is the biggest difference uh, for you being a father now to your kids as opposed to your first set of kids? You know, I, th- I think that's it. I, I think I think you are a different father. Yeah, I, I'm not going to say you're a better or a worse father, but you are a different father. Because like I said, at, at, at 24, 25, listen, I'm, I'm just trying to get to a racetrack and make a living. I'm just trying to, to bring a buck in. I'm just trying to, to be able to do things so you can have a go-kart, so you can have a bicycle. I'm thinking material things. I'm thinking that. I think you get to an age and it's not about material things. It's about life's lessons. It's about understanding the world. Um, and, and I wish I had known and had that approach when I was younger. Uh, I wish that I, that I could have done that. Um, you know, I, I was probably, as, as a disciplinarian, I, you know, I, I, it, no time out, just go to your room. That, that's it. Don't come out until I tell you you can come out. You know, you were probably a little bit different from, from that part. But I, I think that I wish... There was a balance. I wish that I had known a lot more. It's that same old crazy saying. I wish I, I knew then what I know now. Um, I, and, and I really do. Uh, sometimes I think, and, and I, I've said this since having, since having um, uh, Overton and Cotton and, and Devant, is God gives you children at the wrong end of your life. Um, you, you, should, you should spend that time, and you're still a kid at 20, at 25, at 30, you're still, you're still there, man. You're still, it's about you. And at some point in time, it switches. It switches to your parents. You respect your parents in a different way. You look at them in a different way. You look at the world in a different way. Um, and you look at the kids that you do have or your grandkids in a different way. Um, so I, I've been blessed to be able to experience that. But because of that, it makes me have regrets about um my first kids, because the one thing that I wish if I could go back, I would just give them time, just a lot more time than I was able to. Yeah, great stuff. And I want to bring it up again. Swerve or die life at my speed in the first family of NASCAR racing. Talk to me about uh, Richard Petty, the grandfather. What was what was he what was your dad like when you started having kids? What kind of was he a support system for you guys? Because I know for my wife and I, my parents both passed away before I became a dad. My wife's parents were estranged, divorced and out of the picture. So we kind of just leaned on each other, didn't have that grandfather or in-law influence. Who was Richard Petty, the grandfather? How was he when you started to have kids and become a family man yourself? The worst, Um, the worst. Uh, (laughs) And I say that joking. Here's the thing. So when we were little. When, when we were young, it's like, I want a go-kart. No, not going to get a go-kart. You know, I want to go here. No, we're not going to Disney World. We're not going to do any of that. You know what I mean? We don't have time. We race. We do all this stuff. So as soon as the grandkids come along, they're like, we want a go-kart. Oh, yeah, we'll get three. That way we can race around. Yeah, I'll drive one, you know, and, and you can race your granddad. And we'll race around the driveway. So instantly we have go-karts. 
Uh, we want to go on vacation. Sure, we got plenty of time. Let's go on vacation. They'd take the kid. So everything that you didn't give your kids, they would just go to, to, to my dad and my mom and my mom would give them. So that's why I say they were the worst. And you'd say, just temper it a little bit. Help, help, help a guy out here, man. There's nothing I can give them for Christmas. You've given them everything all year long. That, that's the way it is. But they are great grandparents. My, my, my dad, my mom, she passed away a number of years ago, but they were incredible grandparents. Um, I, I think they looked at it that way too, that the things that they couldn't, the time that they couldn't give to, to Sharon and Lisa and Rebecca and myself because of our lifestyle and, and what we were doing, uh, they did give to, to the grandkids. Uh, they doted on them uh, with time, not so much with, with all the material stuff that I joke about, but they did dote on them with time. Um, and, and to this day, my, my mom, as I said, had passed, uh, all my daughter and all my nieces will, when we're all together, they'll start talking about, you, you remember that time grandmother made a tent in the basement. We spent two days in a tent in the basement, uh, you know, just like we were camping out. So just funny things like that and funny stories that they have, but almost all their stories are about spending time with her and her teaching them how to cook and, and, and things like that. And the same way with the boys that was going to the racetrack with my dad. Uh, and hanging out and walking through the garage area and standing on top of the truck because he didn't drive at that point in time. So it was just a time element. Yeah, very cool. And obviously you, you've crushed it in, in your racing career. You got the new book out now. What's next for you, Kyle? What kind of projects? What do you, I know you got the young kids. What are you working on now? What's next for you? You know, I, I do. I, I'm a, a, an analyst for, for NBC. Uh, I do that. I have a show on, on the Circle Network called Dinner Drive. Uh, that I do that, which is pretty, uh, which is a lot of fun. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go back and I know this whole interview, the theme has been time. Uh, and, and that's it. What's next for me is to raise three little boys. Uh, and that has been a priority. That has been a priority since Overton came along is to be here, to be here for him. Uh, and then when Cotton came along and Devant came along is to be here, uh, to be here when they learn to ride a bike for the first time, to be here when they, they play T-ball for the first time, to be here when they experience sports. Uh, and and that, that's what's next for me. That, that's the priority. Now, I, I play music, uh, and, and I do my analyst stuff, and I do these other shows, and, and that takes away. But I'm at a stage in life where I'm able to work my schedule where I'm only gone for a day, and then I'm back to put them in bed. I'm back that night to have supper with them. Uh, to sit around the table and talk and see how their day was at preschool and things like that. So um, for me, you're, you know, it's like we've sat here and we've, we've talked full circle, you know, what, what your priority was at 20 or 30 or 40 changes at 50 and 60 uh, and it'll continue to change. Uh, but for right now, it's just to be the best husband and, and to be a good father for these three little boys. Yeah, well said. And you touched on it during most of this interview here. But the last thing I love to hit all the dads that join me in a podcast here is what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? It is the greatest thing. My, my advice to you is fatherhood is the greatest adventure that you will ever embark on. I, I don't care if you're a mountain climber. I don't care if you're a race car driver. Uh, I don't care if you dream of, of doing other things, the greatest adventure. Um, and it's also the scariest thing that you will ever do. It is the scariest thing that you will ever do is kiss that little boy or girl goodnight uh, and say a prayer and pray that the next day is a great day too. 
uh, and you do that every day for the rest of your life, uh, no matter how old you are and no matter how old your kids are. So um, I, I think my, my advice is always, always, and I can say this with a clear conscience and know that, this had, that I did this, um, that when your kids walk out that door, when your kids walk out that door, um, hug them and tell them you love them. Tell them you love them. Don't expect them to know it. Don't expect something you did to show it. Tell them, say those words. I love you. I'll see you when you get back. I love you. Can't wait for you to come back. I was able to tell Adam that for the last time. For the last time when he walked out the door to go to that racetrack, I told him, I love you and I'll see you later. And I will see him later. And I still love him more than anything in the world. But that's my one piece of advice is never let that opportunity pass to show your kids or to tell your kids that you love them. Plenty of people say, they know, they know. My son knows I love him. My daughter knows, she knows. Well, how does she know? How does she know? You know, yeah, you, you furnish dinner. Yeah, you take them to school. Yeah, you buy them dresses and you bought them a car. That, that's nice, but say it, say it and mean it when you say it. So that, that's my biggest piece of advice. I always say I love you. Yeah, very well said. This has been an honor for me. I love the message. Uh, Kyle Petty, you're a first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. First Class Fatherhood is a family-made media podcast. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com or www.familymade.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood Advice and Wisdom from High Profile Dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.